Well, good morning, Chaparral family. I'm really excited to be able to be with you today and get to open up God's word together. But I thought before we got started, it might be a little fun to be able to share a little bit about my family and myself through some of our favorite Facebook moments. So let's start with this one. This is one of my favorite family pictures. If you know me, I have this thing about Halloween. I love to dress my family up in matching themes, and we go and we take pictures. And so when I found out that I was going to be a mom to seven, immediately I thought, okay, we have to be Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I had to make sure that it wasn't when they were toddling, and they had to be able to walk, but not yet tall enough where they wouldn't count as dwarfs. So this was our year. And we went out to the Superstition Mountains, and we went through the terrain, and this was the result. And I was so excited to post it on Facebook, and I got tons of likes and hearts and comments because seriously, how stinking cute are those faces? All right, let me show another one. This is a more recent picture of my family, and as you can see, they're sitting around the table, and we're getting ready to do virtual school COVID style. For the most part, my kids were super excited to go back to school because they didn't care what back looked like. They just wanted to be able to be around their friends and their teacher. And when I posted this picture on social media, it was really encouraging to see the comments and even the private messages that I received about how amazing my kids are because they're sitting at the table, they're paying attention, you see all the ranges of ages, well, it's pretty close in age, but you, you get my point on that. And they were talking about how great of parents Brian and I must be that our kids were so wonderful. I'm going to share one more with you. This picture represents my work in the foster care field here in Arizona. Two years ago, I received an email letting me know that I was chosen to be a recipient of the Angels and Adoption Award, and my husband and I would have the privilege of being able to go to Washington, D.C. to advocate for foster care, as well as to receive this award. When I posted this picture on social media, it was overwhelming how much support we received from our friends, family, and even just the community as a whole, support that I'm incredibly grateful for even today. In sharing these pictures with you, everything that I've said is 100% true. I'm giving you a snapshot into the world of myself and my family. But in sharing these pictures with you, you miss out on the whole story. You see, when we went and took the pictures at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you miss out on that moment when my daughter realized that Dopey has big ears and she had chosen to be Dopey. You miss out on the bribes and the threats that took place out there on Superstition Mountains just to be able to get that shot. You miss out on the fact that homeschooling COVID style, this online learning was one of the worst experiences of my life this year. And that by the end of that day, my kids were no longer sitting nicely at the table and paying attention. Instead, I had at least one crying. And when my husband came home, I had to put myself in timeout so that I could have my own good cry. You miss out on the reality that moments before we left the hotel for us to go and we receive this award. I sat in our hotel room having an absolute breakdown over what to wear because my social anxiety was through the roof and all the doubts in my mind started coming. 
who am I to stand there? The insecurity of, have anything that I've done really deserve to be picked out, to be selected? You see, too often the world sees our victory, our mountaintop moments, those moments where God really shows up. But the problem is we miss out on sharing the whispers of his presence in those unresolved moments of everyday life. Those 2 Corinthians 12, 9 moments, my grace is sufficient for you moments. When we only see the snapshots of someone's journey, any one of our journeys, we miss out on the real story that God is trying to communicate in us and through us. That same thing is true for the stories we find in the Bible. I have to tell you that one of my favorite stories we find in the Bible is the story of Moses. I love the courage that is shown in the story of Moses. I love those literal mountaintop moments that are perfect for Facebook. Think of how many shares and likes that Moses would have received if he would have been able to post that moment of the parting of the Red Sea. He stood there standing with his staff above his head. The sea parting and 600,000 men, not counting women and children, walked through dry land. They estimate when you look at women and children, about 2.4 million people were able to escape slavery. I can tell you working in the world of nonprofit that 2.4 million people for one incident is a stinking amazing number. That's a great day for anyone. Okay, let's look at another moment in his life. What about the moment that Moses comes down from the mountain? Imagine the selfie that he could have taken. His face literally glowed from being in the presence of God. Exodus 34, 29 says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the covenant of law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. How stinking cool would it be to be in the very presence of God and not just be in the presence of God, but your face glow because of it. When he comes down from that mountain, no one's looking at him saying, mm, are you sure that was God? I mean, did he really say that? No, the Bible says they were afraid because no one else had experienced being in the presence of God like that. The Bible tells us that Moses' own people used that when he stood there in the Ark of the Covenant, something that represents the presence of God, and he reached out his hand to stable it, that he was struck dead from simply touching something that represents the presence of God. Yet, Moses is actually able to stand in the very presence of God. Yet, just like you and me, if we only look at Moses through those Facebook-worthy moments, you miss out on the full picture of what God was trying to do in and through him. You miss out on the continuing story that God was weaving together then and still continues to weave together today. How God has always used imperfect vessels like you and me to bring hope to the hopeless, freedom to the captives, and light to the darkness. Together, let's go back to that story of Moses. 
that moment where God shows up in the burning bush and one another one of those epic moments in his story. He meets Moses in the desert and he says, Moses, you, I choose you. You are going to go and help set your people free. His actual words were, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen how severely the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God doesn't ask Moses, Moses, are you willing? Instead, he commands him to go. As we continue reading, we see Moses' response to God, Exodus 3.11. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He actually questions whether or not God has the right person. As if God doesn't know in that exact moment who he's talking to. But God patiently replies, I will be with you. Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to my voice? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. When his first excuse as who am I does not work with God, he decides to turn it externally and say, what if they don't believe me? What if they won't accept me? So then God equips him with yet another tool. But Moses doubles down in this moment. And he answers God saying, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. And God responds telling him, no more excuses. Now go. I will help you as you speak, and I will teach you what to say. You would think that the second time that God says go, you would choose at that moment to go. But Moses replied, please, Lord, send someone else. This is the first time in this story that we see a change happen, and God does not respond with patience, but instead the Bible says that God responds with anger. He doesn't give him a pass. He doesn't say, you know what, Moses, you're right. I made a mistake. He instead says, take your brother with you and go. And this is also the first time in this interaction that we see that Moses decides that his excuses are no longer going to work. He decides to stop making excuses and instead do what God told him to do. So often we think that God only calls the willing. But if that really is the truth, if God only calls the willing, then Moses would have been out. God would have chosen to choose someone else. But God's word says something very different. He says that he chooses all of us. That before we were born, he knew our names, every hair on our head, and he knew what he was designing us to do. His word in Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
God knew from the very beginning, the very beginning when he was rescuing Moses in the basket, that he would use Moses as a tool to set his people free. The same is true for you and me. We all have a calling on our lives, and when we decide to follow Jesus, God is telling us, just like Moses, go. He says, move into action. Listen to my voice. Live a life that is bigger than your own, one that is dependent on me. No more excuses. God says, I will equip you. I will be with you. Now go. But how many times are we like Moses? Moses would have rather stayed with his family and lived out the rest of his life as a shepherd tending his flocks in the desert. He would have been content in the security of the known instead of the adventure that God had in store for him. He would have missed out on the experience of knowing God face to face. Settling for less and living in the excuses of why that was good enough. You see, Moses stood at a crossroads when he was at the burning bush. He had to make a decision. In that moment, what would he choose to fear? In those final moments, standing before God, he decided he was more afraid of not following what God told him to do than he was of what he would face along the way. And in that moment, he made the decision to leave the comfort of the known and grab hold of the unknown, believing that God, whatever God calls him to, he would meet him in the journey. God is calling us to do the same. To trust him, to move in a place where we get to witness life-changing, world-changing experiences, wonders that only God can do. But in order for us to live in that space, just like Moses, we find ourselves standing at the crossroads and asking ourselves, what will we choose to fear? Will we be more afraid of missing out on what God has planned us to, what he has called us to? Or instead, will we fear what he may ask us to do? I recently read an excerpt from a book um, called When the Nation Forgets God by Erwin Lutzer. It's a firsthand experience of someone who lived through the 1930s and 1940s in Germany. And they shared their experience how fear impacted not only their church, but their very lives. And I want to share that with you today. It says, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it because what could we do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance and then the wheels coming over the tracks. 
We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we would hear the cries of the Jews en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Although years have passed, I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. God, forgive me. Forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians and did nothing to end them. You see, when we fear God, what God may ask us to do, darkness wins. When we fear the unknown adventure, people suffer. For Moses, his people would have been left in bondage. For the German church, innocent lives perished. What about today? Who around us is still in bondage? What innocent lives will we watch perish? Who is still in darkness all because of our fear? As Christians, we will either fight injustice, show kindness, bring hope to the hopeless light in the darkness, as God has called us to, or we will sing songs of praise and drown out the pain of those around us. Where will you stand? Where will we as a church body choose to stand. So what next? How do you find the darkness that God is personally asking you to bring light to? Well, always, 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 we first ask God. We pray his word, specifically asking God to give us eyes to see and ears that we will hear where he is leading us. And then we wait expectant that he will show up. That he will give us our next step. That he will challenge us. That he will inspire us in a way that we know what to do and where to go. That whatever he calls us to, he will continue to lead us through. You know, when I decided to get involved in foster care, if you do not know, I have um, four children that I've adopted through foster care. I always knew that I wanted to adopt. I remember sitting with my husband and telling him before when we were dating that if that wasn't something that he was interested in, that was a deal breaker for me because I knew that was something that I was led to do. So many seeds had been planted in my life that God brought me to the space that I was ready to open up my heart and my home to another. That I was ready to take that step. 
But if you would have told me that that step would lead to me starting Foster Arizona, that it would lead for, to me going into deep into the world of foster care, if you would have told me how that first step would impact my life, the life of my family, and my very faith, I wouldn't have been ready. My heart would not have been ready. I have to believe that the same thing is true for Moses. Can you imagine if he would have known when he was standing at that burning bush with all of his reservations before God, that he would spend the last 40 years of his life wandering in the desert, leading complaining Israelites, and then ending with never being able to step foot in the promised land. I have to wonder, would he have been ready? Would he have been willing to take that first step? But the thing I love about God is that we are not asked to go to a destination. Instead, we are asked on a faith journey. That God tells us that he will continue to lead us through. And that journey we do not do alone. God says that that journey always includes others. So the next step is we ask others. There's so much that people around us can teach us about ourselves, our community, even about how we see and experience things differently. But in order for us to really be able to dive in and meet the needs of others around us, we have to first be willing to take a position of humility. One that comes to choosing to come to the table and sit and say, maybe my piece of the pie my understanding of the world and life, maybe that may not be the full picture of reality. In the same way we ask God to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, we go into these conversations ready and willing, our position one of learning. And we expect that God will use those conversations, those intentional community interactions, those moments of connection to bring us closer to the heart of God and closer to the mission. But as we're asking God and as we're asking others, we choose to not stay silent. Instead, we choose to do something. It could be as simple as choosing to serve a meal at Family Promise here at Chaparral. Or it could be donating a blanket to the Indian Reservation so that somebody will know what it means to have warmth. Or you could choose to come volunteer at Foster Arizona, delivering our thankful boxes to kids in foster care. If we want to break it down even more, it could be as simple as leaving this building and choosing kindness as we go into the parking lot. Finding somebody who has experienced heartache and darkness and choosing to sit with them in the uncomfortable silence. Or even finding a mom struggling in the store and instead of casting judgment, stepping in and asking her, how can I lighten the load? How can I help in the darkness? 
You see, God has told us to do something today. He's told us to be salt and light in our communities today. Find someone who needs hope today. And I want to close encouraging you with these words that are inspired by some of my favorite scripture. My friends, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. For we are not slaves of fear, no. We stand together as children of God, made with a purpose. And we choose to continue to bring light to the darkness. Will you pray with me? Precious Jesus. God, we pray, Lord, that you would fill us not with a spirit of fear, but God, with a spirit of faith. God, that we would not shy away from the darkness and the pain, Lord, in our world, but instead, God, that you would use our lights to shine brighter. God, I thank you for this community, and I thank you, Jesus, that you have put us together intentionally. God, may we seek your purpose. God, may we bring light to the darkness. Thank you, Jesus, that your word tells us clearly that you will go with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.